0: This is Dion Begg from Butler Mortgage. For the past 15 years, I've helped families answer the big three financial questions. How do I pay off my home faster, pay for my kids' education, and build wealth for retirement? We answer these questions through helping plan and fund significant investment property portfolios. If you're a first-time buyer or buying your first or 10th investment property, please reach out for a free consultation so we can ensure you build the best portfolio possible. Search for mortgages by mortgagesbydion.com or call me at 800 518 518 One, two, two, one.
1: You're listening to the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Sir Colin Campbell and Gary A. McGowan. All
0: right, all right, all right. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Sir Colin Campbell with Gary A. McGowan with the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast. We have a special guest here in the building, the man, the myth, the legend. My friend, Ian Szabo. Right.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all fun. We got lots of fun things that we're, we're doing today. Added some other elements and, and things are happening. I don't even know where I want to begin.
0: Well, let's find out who Ian is. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Look at this. My MacBook's doing crazy things. Ignore forever. Yeah, I'm going to hit that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the not-so-black-and-white real estate. Yes, we are happy to have Mr. Ian Zabo here. If you saw our feed yesterday, you pretty much knew he was coming on because yep. of yeah. some, yeah. Of, the, yeah. the, some <laughs> of the things that I was saying, but it's fun. Ian, welcome, my man. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right. Appreciate it. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. So... Who the heck is Ian Zabo? Why do you belong in that seat? What gives you the credibility to be sure. in that seat? <laughs> how, did I
2: how did I win this pleasure? Um, so, you want me to start from the
1: beginning? So, actually, why don't you just give us the two minute version of who Ian is, and then we'll dive into all that your backstory and how this story and how I know your story is going to help people, whether you're in real estate or you're just trying to be a better person or um, you, you want to do bigger and better things. That's all going to be covered today. I know it is just because I know the story that's going to come out. But who's the two-minute version of Ian?
2: I'm a guy that pushes to to do better. I think uh, I, I enjoy doing things that scare me. I enjoy helping people. Um, I enjoy... Okay,
1: I'm going to lighten this up for a second. Okay. You know our good friend, Quentin D'Souza? Yes. Yeah, you know what he's calling this right now? What? The reverse Oreo. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know where to go with that. Quentin, how are you doing, my this man? A, how are you doing? Is he skiing? I thought he was skiing today. Hey, this, wait! This get in trouble. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the audience we pull in. You might be skiing. You might be doing this. Well, there's some backstory to your side. Right? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. So sorry. I had to cut you off for yeah, that. It's, yeah,
2: it's all good. I, I just, I find myself trying to do better. And, and I don't know. I look at the mirror every morning and figure out, what am I going to do today? Am I, you know, am I living up to my expectations? Am I pushing forward? You know, I find myself getting bored with things that most people are satisfied with. Mm. I have a short attention span. So I find myself, you know, being a chef for 15 years and then reaching high levels of that and then switching and being a painter and then a renovator and then an author. Then I own a school and then I wrote, it's just, I, I get bored. And I like to challenge myself, and I think I think from my background, testing myself really helps my um, my confidence.
1: Interesting, cool, cool. I got uh, some good insight from uh, Kayla here. She's asking you to step closer to the mic, so that's good. Thanks, Kayla, for that. Um, and I'll turn it up a bit. No, that's cool. There, there's a lot of and, and just knowing you and knowing your story. and I, I got some good questions um, at the hand. You know. We've all, last, last week, Colin and I discussed why real estate. And mm. I think it was pretty clear because real estate for, for us gives us, um, is, is the vehicle for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, so why real estate? I'm lazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a
1: little bit more, no,
2: more no, about not, that. Come I, on. Well, I'll give you the best example I can give you as a chef. I, no matter how successful of a chef I was, I was always chained to a stove. So I love the fact that I could create things. I love working with brigades of people, and I love having really no rules. There's really no rules with cooking. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. then I realized I don't want to be chained to a stove all the time. So what kind of career could I take where I could be creative? I could build something with a team. It could be challenging, and there's not a lot of rules around it. And it will help me pay my bills. And real estate was the only thing that I, I could build something and move away and let someone
0: else pay for it and give me time to do stuff like this or drive my bus around. Interesting. Now, uh, I'll just uh, hold that there, hold out, uh, Todd, there for a second. For any of you who are watching online with us, uh, just ask that you share this because Ian is going to be sharing a lot of insights with us today. Whether it's real estate investing, whether it's flipping, moving from a career as a ch- as a chef into uh, an investor. So, anyone that you think would be uh, see some value in this, please share it because there's going to be some real valuable content here today. I hope so. Well, we're with you. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, you're you were saying you got into to real estate because you're, you're, you're lazy and you want it.
2: <laughs> well, no, I, I think not necessarily lazy. I, I like things to work for me. Okay. And, and I get bored easy. And I like, to, I like to challenge myself and do different things and learn different skills.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: I always needed to be able to fall back on something. I always needed something to produce income. Okay. I, I, I knew from a young age that I, I needed it. My father used to tell me all the time, get into real estate. What are you doing? Do real estate. So,
0: so what are you doing right now? Let's, let's start from where you are today, and then maybe we'll even backpedal to see where, you know, the path that got you here. Sure. So I think the
2: easiest thing is I, I'm a realtor. I sell houses. I help, I help investors buy properties. I help build portfolios so I can sit down with someone and figure out what they like and okay. like what they need to do. So I do that. I do some talks around renovations okay. uh, with the books that I've written. Um, did, did you bring any of your books today? No. Gary. Do oh, we I got it?
1: some. I'll go jump out here in yeah. a moment okay, and get good. some. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then, and then I do talks. I do these short bus talks where I, I go to schools and I go to events and I talk to at-risk youth and, and uh, I challenge myself to be better that way.
0: Okay, so that's where Ian is today in his life. Mm-hmm. Give us the journey of how you got here, oh man we only have what do we have <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess
2: I guess I was when I was a kid, I was a loner I, I used to hang out by myself um, I went to school in special ed. I used to go to school on a short bus okay, so a lot of my friends uh, had learning disabilities, physical disabilities, and uh, I didn't really fit in I've always i learned when I was in those classes on how to be uh, empathetic, okay. how to how to learn from other people. And it was interesting. I've always learned by doing things or, or actually physically creating something. Okay. So I went through school. I failed like almost every class. Wow. <laughs> I was horrible at uh, reading and writing. I'm still not the greatest at it. Yeah. Uh, at the end of grade eight, I went to uh, a vocational high school where you learn hands-on. Yeah. And uh, I got suspended. I got into all kinds of trouble. And then at the end of that, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Like I didn't know how I was going to get a job. I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I, my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now, Tanya, yeah. she's like, just take a course because you can't fail. You can't fail and drop out of high school. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which, so I took cooking and I happened to be good at it. I could put all these combinations together of being fast paced and working in an environment. and And I excelled at it.
0: Okay. So I did that for 15 years. 15 years you were a chef? Yeah. Were, like, were you working at some of the big restaurants or?
2: Yeah, I started at a little restaurant in Pickering where I live called Casa Verde. It's still there. And, and I learned. And then I went to uh, George Brown. And then I got an apprenticeship at the Prince Hotel with this wow, this crazy German chef that used to throw stuff around and yell and scream. Like and Chef Ramsay. He made Ramsay look look <laughs> like, yeah, like a, like a regular dude, right? But um, I did that. And I was on the uh, Canadian culinary team for three years. Wow. And then uh, my last job was at the Granite Club. I was an executive sous chef at the Granite Club when I was
0: 25
2: years old at the time.
0: Holy smokes, man. Yeah. So you, here is a kid who had trouble in school and just stumbled upon cooking. And then you started to really excel at that. And you were, one can argue, at the pinnacle of your career where most people, you know, strive to get get to. Mm -hmm. And you were there at 25.
2: Yeah, I was I was there at 25. It was interesting because we used to we we'd fly to New York City and eat at like the best restaurants, and then and then I remember when that I remember looking at my my girlfriend or my wife at the time. Yeah, and I was like, this is this is crazy. I don't want to spend 14, 18 hours in a kitchen every day, even though I loved it. Really, I just I it didn't make sense. Like, I want to have a family. I want to have kids, and I wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. So I um I did what every smart person should do: is give up their hundred thousand dollar a year job and go paint houses for 15 bucks an hour, right?
0: <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you were, you were a very successful chef, traveling around the world, mm-hmm. and you, you just quit one day.
2: Yeah, there were some changes at, at the organization that I was with, and they brought in some new people, and, and uh, I wasn't feeling it. Okay. It just didn't work for me. So, and I always wanted to switch, so I had some time where I was like, what do I do? And at the time, my father uh, was a painter, and I was like well why not try that so we started painting houses then we built up the business and I kind of used the organization of a chef and applied it to renovations because I didn't understand at the time when I was working at the club they did this big renovation Mm -hmm, and all mm -hmm. these guys putting up drywall were going home at five I'm like dude that like Why aren't you staying till like 12 and putting up drywall? Yeah, yeah, I'm working with stuff that goes rotten and you can't get this done. I don't get it. Of course, of course. So like, what if I took all the skills as a chef, perishable items that go rotten that you're under a strict timeline, Mm -hmm. and if I applied them to renovations? So so over the next five years, I started building that up and I got picked up with uh, HGTV, the W Network, House and Home, and I started doing on-air renos. And at this time, I had no idea what I was doing, by the way, right? Like... (laughs) My dad's like, you're nuts. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I said, Well, they're not gonna put bad TV on. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. mess something up.
0: So help help <laughs> help us understand here. Because yeah. I'm struggling with this. Tell me. Here it is, you are a successful chef. Mm-hmm. You making, you know, over hundred thousand easy. Uh, making over hundred thousand easy. And after that, you've left that and you've moved to, you know, painting renovation yep and you're doing nice you've picked up you're being picked up on national TV the show is being broadcast everywhere What does that do for you what does that do for your family what does it, it seems
2: more romantic than than it actually is okay. it's it's a lot of uh, hurry up and wait it's it's a lot of um Good from afar, but far from good. Okay. So, okay. It, like in the renovation business, you're looking for referrals. Yeah. And in the TV business, it's it's get in, get it done, and then we'll send a crew in after to figure it out. Okay. So, so for me, it was good because I had exposure on on in front of a camera. I yes. was learning from the best designers. I was learning the trade because I still didn't really know what I was doing to be honest with you. So right. it was for me, it was more of a, a an education. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of matched. Okay, what do I need to learn? What are the trends? What do people want? And it was just it happened to be good that I I had some airtime as well. Okay. And how long did you do that for? I believe it was five years. Four or five years. And then I realized that I can make way more money just doing behind the scenes. So I said, why don't you just give me like 26 houses and I'll finish the 26 houses and you can put someone else way better looking and smarter than me on camera with better air. And let me just move on and make the money and you guys can figure (laughs) it out. Right. And then I didn't get stuck in all the. Yeah. The drama of the TV stuff, which in my mind, I come from production. Yeah. We're in a kitchen where you got to get stuff done. And when someone's like, hold on, we got to test the sound or hold on, we got to film this. And it's just
0: crap my style. You know okay. what I mean? I just want to get things done. Move on. Now, are you the type of person who gets you know bored very fast? That you're you always looking for that next high, that buzz, that something to hold your attention. Yeah, I, I I think you could call it as
2: call it the actual term ADD. I think it's ADD. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a strategic thing. I, um, if I stuck with one, yeah. Thing, you I, know what I think? I yeah. think
1: a lot of successful people have add
0: of course yeah
1: right and and not and and i was gonna say it's probably because it's a a lack of focus but it's a it's a very specific focus that they want to know they want to achieve like big heights or they want to do something big Mm -hmm. and they can't move on to the next piece until that that thing Mm -hmm. has been achieved right and and to me that i think that's where a lot of people kind of misinterpret you know our, our, our rabbit trail minds to, to what success can really be. You know what I mean? And,
2: and I think if I look back at it, a lot of people joke and say, you have all these successful businesses and you kind of blew up a lot of them, right? You kind of just blew them up and walked away. And if I look back, probably hiring someone and putting them in a place of the organization of it would have been a lot smarter move. But for me, I get satisfaction. It's it's an insecurity, right? It's a deep down insecurity. Like I'm not good enough. I can't I can't accomplish things. And then the next thing is I want to try this. No difference than the short bus or writing the books. Like I, I shouldn't be writing books. Like I can't read very good. Just, you're talking to the wrong dude here. Like but like I had major anxiety. Like I couldn't sleep when the book came out. I was like for two days I couldn't sleep. And when I signed documents I couldn't sleep. It's just
0: it's just pushing past it. It's almost like. I don't know. So tell me about the. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Because you, you, yeah. you just said that here is someone who can, can barely read properly. And you've written, how many books you've written? Two. Two? Yeah. That's phenomenal.
1: I know. How many books have you written?
0: <laughs> None as yet.
1: Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah. How many you written? I've been around? in books. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Featured in books. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it.
0: So, uh, yeah, tell me more about that.
2: Well, I think after I started doing the YouTube videos and then doing the renos, I started flipping houses. So instead of doing rentals for my clients, I would borrow funds from them and I actually flip houses. And that's kind of on my way out of the reno business. And then I got approached to write a book and I'm like, I can't write a book. This just doesn't, this is, you're talking to the wrong guy. And I said no a couple of times and they finally said, well, pay you to pay someone to interview you. And I'm like, okay. Do you, and I kept saying, I don't think I have enough value. I don't think I have enough to give into a book. I don't think Mm -hmm. I can give you what you're looking for. And I just said, yeah, and I did it. And I had my friend Xander Robertson that that ghost wrote both books for me and he interviewed me and self and do different things and learn different skills. Mm -hmm. But I always needed to be able to fall back on something. I always needed something to produce income. Okay. I I knew from a young age that I, I needed to, my father used to tell me all the time, get into real estate. What are you doing? Do real estate.
0: So so what are you doing right now? Let's, let's start from where you are today. And then mm-hmm. maybe we'll even backpedal to see where, you know, the path that got you here. Sure. So
2: I think the easiest thing is I, I'm a realtor. I sell houses. I help, I help investors buy properties. I help build portfolios so I can sit down with someone and figure out what they like and okay. what, what they need to do. So I do that. I do some talks around renovations okay. uh, with the books that I've written. Um, did, did you bring any of your books today? No.
1: Gary, do oh, we I have got any? some. I'll go jump out here in a and get good. some. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then, and then I do talks. I do these short bus talks where I, I go to schools and I go to events and I talk to at-risk youth and and uh, I challenge myself to be better that way.
0: Okay, so that's where Ian is today in his life. Mm-hmm. Give us the journey of how you got here. Oh man. We only have. What do we have? Two-
2: <laughs> so I, I guess I guess I was when I was a kid. I was a loner. I, I used to hang out by myself. Um, I went to school in special ed. I used to go to school on a short bus. Okay. So a lot of my friends uh, had learning disabilities, physical disabilities, and uh, I didn't really fit in. I've always I had learned when I was in those classes on how to be uh, empathetic, okay. how to how to learn from other people and. It was interesting. I've always learned by doing things or, or actually physically creating something. Okay. So I went through school. I failed like almost every class. Wow. <laughs> I was horrible at uh, reading and writing. I'm still not the greatest at it. Yeah. Uh, at the end of grade eight, I went to uh, a vocational high school where you learn hands-on. Yeah. And uh, I got suspended. I got in all kinds of trouble. And then at the end of that, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Like I didn't know how I was going to get a job. I I, I didn't know how, what I was going to do. And I, I my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now, Tanya, mm-hmm. she's like, just take a course because you can't fail. You can't fail and drop out of high school, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, so I took cooking, and I happened to be good at it. I could put all these combinations together of being fast paced and working in an environment, and and I excelled at it. Okay. So I did that for fifteen years. Fifteen years, you were a chef. Yeah.
0: Like, were you working at some of the big restaurants or?
2: Yeah, I started at a little restaurant in Pickering where I live called Casa Verde. It's still there. And, and I learned. And then I went to uh, George Brown. And then I got an apprenticeship at the Prince Hotel with this wow. this crazy German chef that used to throw stuff around and yell and scream. Like made, Jeff Ramsey. He made Ramsey look, look like, <laughs> yeah, like a, like a regular dude, right? But um, I did that. And I was on the uh, Canadian culinary team for three years. Wow. And then uh, my last job was at the Granite Club. I was an executive sous chef at the Granite Club when I was 25 years old at the time. Holy smokes, man.
0: Yeah. So you, here is a kid who had trouble in school and just stumbled upon cooking. And then you started to really excel at that. And you were, one could argue, at the pinnacle of your career where most people, you know, strive to get, get to. Mm-hmm. And you were there at 25.
2: Yeah, I was I was there at twenty-five. It was interesting because we used to we, we'd fly to New York City and eat at like the best restaurants. And then and then I remember when that I remember looking at my my girlfriend or my wife at the time. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is crazy. I don't want to spend 14, 18 hours in a kitchen every day, even though I loved it. Really? I just I it didn't make sense. Like I wanna have a family, I wanna have kids, and I wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. So I um I did what every smart person should do is give up their $100,000 a year job and go paint houses for 15 bucks an hour, right?
0: So, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 So, you were, you were a very successful chef traveling around the world mm-hmm. and you you just quit one day.
2: Yeah, there were some changes at, at the organization that I were with and they brought in some new people and and I wasn't feeling it. Okay. It just didn't work for me. so. And I always wanted to switch so I had some time where I was like what do I do and at the time my father uh was a painter yep and I was like well why not try that so we started painting houses then we built up the business and I kind of used the organization of a chef and applied it to renovations because I didn't understand at the time when I was working at the club they did this big renovation mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. these guys putting up drywall were going home at five I'm like dude that like why aren't you staying till like 12 and putting up drywall? Yeah, like yeah, I'm working yeah. with stuff that goes rotten and you can't get this done. I don't of get course, it. Of course, of course. So like, what if I took all the skills as a chef, yeah. perishable items that go rotten that you're under a strict timeline, mm-hmm. and if I applied them to renovations? So, so over the next five years, I started building that up and I got picked up with uh, HGTV, the W Network, House and Home, and I started doing on-air reno's. And at this time, I had no idea what I was doing, by the way, right? Like, my dad's like, you're nuts. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I said, well, they're not going to put bad TV on. Like, if yeah, I, yeah. I mess something up.
0: So help, help, <laughs> help us understand here, because yeah, yeah. I'm struggling with this. Tell me. Here it is. You are a successful chef. Mm-hmm. you making, you know, over $100,000 easy, mm-hmm. uh, making over 100000 easy, and after that you've left that and you've moved to you know painting renovation yep and you're doing nice you've picked up you're being picked up on national tv the show is being broadcast everywhere what does that do for you what does that do for your family what does
2: it, it seems more romantic than, than it actually is? Okay. It's it's a lot of uh, hurry up and wait. It's it's a lot of um, good from afar, but far from good. Okay. So okay. It, like in the renovation business, you're looking for referrals. Yeah. And in the TV business, it's it's get in, get it done, and then we'll send a crew in after to figure it out. Okay. So so for me, it was good because I had exposure on on. In front of a camera, I yes. was learning from the best designers. I was learning the trade because I still didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest with you. So okay. it was for me, it was more of a, a an education. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of matched, okay, what do I need to learn? What are the trends? What do people want? And it was just it happened to be good that I I had some airtime as well.
0: Okay. And how long did you do that for?
2: I believe it was five years. Four or five years? And then I realized that I can make way more money just doing behind the scenes. So I said, why don't you just give me like 26 houses and I'll finish the 26 houses and you can put someone else way better looking and smarter than me on camera with better air. And let me just move on and make the money and you guys can figure it out. Right. And then I didn't get stuck in all the, yeah. the drama of the TV stuff, which in my mind, I come from production. Yeah. Right. We're in a kitchen where you got to get stuff done. And when someone's like, hold on, we got to test the sound or hold on, we got to film this. And, it's just I it crap my style. You know okay. what I mean? I just want to get things done, move on.
0: Now, are you the type of person who gets, you know, bored very fast that you're you always looking for that next high, that buzz, that something to hold your attention?
2: Yeah, I I, I think you could call it as call it the actual term ADD I think it's ADD. <laughs> I
1: think it's a strategic
2: thing I, um, if I stuck with one yeah, thing I know what I think mm-hmm. I think
1: a lot of successful people have ADD of course yeah right and and not and, and I was going to say it's probably because it's a, a lack of focus but it's a it's a very specific focus that they want to know they want to achieve like big heights or they want to do something big mm-hmm. and they can't move on to the next piece until that that thing mm-hmm. has been achieved right and, and yeah. to me, that, I think that's where a lot of people kind of misinterpret, you know, our, our, our rabbit trail minds to to what success can really be, you know what I mean? And,
2: and I think if I look back at it, a lot of people joke and say, you have all these successful businesses and you kind of blew up a lot of them, right? You kind of just blew them up and walked away. And if I look back, probably hiring someone and putting them in a place of the organization of it would have been a lot smarter move but for me, I get satisfaction. It's it's an insecurity, right? It's a deep down insecurity. Like I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't accomplish things. And then the next thing is I want to try this. No difference than the short bus or writing the books. Like I, I shouldn't be writing books. Like I can't read very good. Just, you're talking to the wrong dude here. Like, but I got major anxiety. Like I couldn't sleep when the book came out. I was like for two days, I couldn't sleep. And when I signed documents, I couldn't sleep. It's just,
0: it's just pushing past it. It's almost like I don't know. So tell me about uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about that cuz you you, yeah. you just said that here is someone who can can barely read properly and you've written how many books you've written? Two. Two. Yeah. That's phenomenal.
1: I know. How many books have you written? None as yet. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah. How many yeah. you intend to? In books. Yes.
0: <laughs> Featured in books. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it.
0: So, uh, yeah, tell me more about that.
2: Well, I think after I started doing the YouTube videos and then doing the renos, I started flipping houses. So instead of doing rentals for my clients, I would borrow funds from them and I actually flip houses. And that's kind of on my way out of the reno business. And then I got approached to write a book and I'm like, I can't write a book. This just doesn't, this is, you're talking to the wrong guy. And I said no a couple of times. And they finally said, well, pay you to pay someone to interview you. And I'm like, okay. Do you, and I kept saying, I don't think I have enough value i don't think i have enough to give into a book i don't think Mm -hmm. i can give you what you're looking for and i just said yeah and i did it and i had my friend xander robertson that that ghost wrote both books for me and he interviewed me and and he wrote them and the scariest thing was for me was i never really seen my thoughts on paper yeah i don't know normal people they when you write stuff down like for me it was like i was reading my thoughts interesting it kind of tripped me right out
1: Cool. We just lost a stream. That's all right. Resume. We We might be able to resume this. Okay. Hang on. See what happens. We'll just
0: continue. So, now, what is going on in your mind and where you are so prone to take action like that? Because most people uh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll quit my job tomorrow. I'm it's always been, seems like you, you're just chasing this dream where first the dream was a chef mm-hmm. and then you quickly realize, okay, this is not it. The shift from going, okay, I'm going to leave and jump to something else. Most people stay in that job until they're 80, 90 years old and that's it. How could you, what is inside of you that is so different that it's causing you to take action like that? <laughs> I don't think about
2: it. It's just how I feel. It's it's a feeling of of this isn't right, and I, I need to I need to try something different.
1: Cool, Mario and, Latini. How was that, buddy? Say hi to Mario. Mario, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, don't forget to uh, yeah send in your comments, send in your questions for, for Ian. We're gonna happy uh, to to answer them. It's it's two fifty one now. At three fifteen, we'll go through a lot, a lot of the questions and make sure that they're answered. Uh, whatever you might have. And, um, if it, if you could flip it, Ian's flipped it, right?
2: Yeah. I've done grow ups, hoarder houses.
1: <laughs> um, okay. F- floods, you know, so let, let's kind of get into some of the fun a little yeah. bit here for a second and let's get deep okay. meaning like nasty, gross deep. Sure. What's been the nasty, Oh, what's going on here with the zip, with the, uh, stream. What's been the nastiest thing you pulled out of a house?
2: Probably a, a freezer full of rotten meat. Ooh. Oh, nasty. Like, there was probably like a foot of meat and then a foot another foot and stuff. a half of water and nasty stuff floating around. And we we took the nail gun and nailed it shut so none of that nasty <laughs> liquid would fall inside the house. And A couple guys dragged it out. <laughs> That's nice. nasty. Another one was uh, one in Oshawa that was infested with mice and, and rats. And they were trapping the rats and then the excuse, me, trapping mice and rats were eating the, the dead, the dead mice.
1: So that was pretty nasty. There's all kinds. Okay. Okay. What's been the, um, what's the biggest surprise you've ever pulled out of a house? Like you're, you're pulling out a wall and you're throwing garbage out. What's uh, what's like, uh, probably just this,
2: the crazy things people do like running extension cords in walls. Um, using fence posts as beams like that kind of like scary stuff that oh, geez, you're worried yeah. like you're walking on a floor and then you rip everything down you look at it and you're like i could have just fallen that bathtub could have fallen through the floor i could have fallen through the floor it's it's more looking back and seeing what people hide yeah or cover up
1: yeah what's um i know you sent me pictures in the past of like some pretty cool newspaper clippings or stuff mm-hmm. from like you know the, the, the 20s and even earlier yeah. than that like that's pretty yeah. wild
2: i love that stuff you know look at you see a house that's for sale for like 1100 or something you see cars i love the old stuff i really like the old classic stuff
0: and where were you finding these within the walls as insulation yeah or? yeah in between the floors a lot of times in between the floors
1: oh. sweet sweet what um when, when you're talking to say investors today, and, and about and ninety percent of the conversation I know always goes to to the rentals and mm-hmm. the flips and and, and that, but um, and we were chatting the other night at our investors workshop. Of all the homes you flipped, your comment was, "I should have kept them for sure." Yeah, and and tell me tell me why that is. I think a lot of people get
2: attracted to real estate investing because they want quick money, and I know I did. Mm -hmm. and i started flipping i had to learn how to flip but i think when you really look at it the long term wealth is long term you need to hold on to it the flip is the exit you know you can flip to refi but i i think if i look back at all the properties like i hate seeing a property that i that i sold five years ago come back on the market for two three hundred thousand dollars more than i sold it for um but also i learned a lot going through it so and, and I think flipping is becoming a lot harder, you know, with the new mortgage rules and, and financing, and it's a lot harder to do. You need you need to have money or equity to do it.
0: So in our um, in our pilot episode, Gary, uh, we were talking my favorite
1: about name <laughs> of an episode apart from this one. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, in our pilot episode, we were talking about uh, flips and yeah. or getting into real estate investing. How did you actually get into the industry? Where or choose that as a path for you
2: well when i when i was done being a chef i knew i wanted to learn renovations because i i knew what not to do by this high-end company that did this reno and the second thing was i couldn't afford to buy a place so i partnered with two friends okay and we invested ten thousand dollars each into uh, one property by in oshawa by the university so it was a college at the time you
0: and two of your friends purchase mm-hmm. a property yeah okay
2: and then we let that I realized quickly that everyone had different personalities
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it was difficult to kind of figure out what the path was. And then from that one, um, I started flipping more and more and more and purchasing my own and holding.
0: Okay, so you went in the first... and uh, What
2: happened to that first property? Uh, after three or four years I, or two years, I believe, we sold it. Okay. Actually, I wasn't even a realtor at the time. I sold it to the lady that was renting it. And you made money,
0: obviously. Yeah, yeah we okay. made money. So now you exited that. Now everyone is paid... Good money in your pocket. Yep. Now, is that the money you use now to buy future uh your your second property?
2: I used part of that money for the second property and I flipped a couple houses in between.
0: Okay. Oh. Cool. Just seems like he's just going after just just doing it. Like it's all action.
1: Yeah. Kyla actually mentioned that earlier and she she wrote a little post. It's on, not on it's, the feed, and it's like a, just do it, you it, know.
2: It, it seems like it's all action, but there's hundreds of hours of, you know, insecurities and, and thinking about it. And will that work? Will it not work? And calling Gary and asking him his opinion and asking Quentin and asking Mark Loeffler and, and going back and forth. And it's, it seems dramatic, but it's, it, it's been a lot of thinking about it.
0: Okay. Okay. So for someone who is looking at this podcast, who would like to maybe start getting into real estate investing, start flipping homes, what would you say to them?
2: Well, I think Brad Lamb said it the best way that I've ever heard. You can you can hire a great agent or you can hire a really crappy agent and they cost about the same money. <laughs> <laughs> so like my whole thing is I kind of scratched an niche. I hired a real estate agent a long time ago when I first started yep. and I wanted to find someone that could actually walk me through the whole thing from start to finish.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I would say the best thing to do is to find someone that actually done it okay, and and either work with them to help them buy a, buy a house or um, join some organizations and learn how to do it. Mm. Okay. But I, th- I think the biggest thing is I get a lot of questions about it. You don't, you got to just do it. Do, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? Like I spend hundreds of hours. Well, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure. And maybe this, and what about this? And what about that? Well, let me just, you seen the new Monopoly game? No. On the bottom it says we're not gonna worry about real estate because we can't afford it. Are you serious? Yeah, what? I think pull it up on your phone. I really I, there's no real estate in the new Monopoly game.
1: For real. Yeah. So what is
2: it about? I have no idea. I don't care. I'm gonna buy more real estate though. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when, when, they, when they when they go after it and they build this this company Monopoly, yeah. that's a big game, right? Yeah, they yeah. have a lot of backing. Of course. Is it Maytel that makes it? Yeah, aren't I'm they sure. supposed to be like one of the huge elite that owns ten percent of the world or something yeah. like that? Do they?
1: New. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can Google it here. That's crazy. I hope I'm right. I almost. like.
0: I hope so. Well, Gary will find, will find in it out. Meanwhile, please uh, make oh. me pass man. I don't pass that. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: nuts. I I've not heard of that before. Crazy, crazy. For millennials. So the new Hasbro releases new Monopoly for millennial I can't even say that word. Millennials? Millennials. Millennials. There. Nailed it. On my eighth try. Okay, let's see if we can pull this up and I'll see if I can get it on the feed somehow. One thing I'm still learning how to handle all this. But uh, That's nuts.
2: Yeah, so I That's nuts. I think they're the biggest thing is I'm really tired of saying buy real estate. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the only way to make money. I don't know anyone else that's making money. That's not doing real estate.
1: Well, it's interesting. It's part of my, um, right there at the bottom, my backstory, forget real estate, go up.
2: You can't afford it anyway.
0: Wow. That's
1: (laughs) a new monopoly. Wow. Okay. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Oh, that's, that's crazy. Tells you
2: buy something because you're not gonna be able to afford it.
1: Yes. That's interesting. That's nuts, man. I'm, um, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to get that on here. Screen here. We'll get this up there.
0: Harry's trying to bring it up so everyone can see what we're looking at here.
1: Boom. There it is. Right there. Monopoly for millennials. Nailed it this time. That's right. That's right. You know what that reserve deserves? That's right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's been itching to push that button. <laughs> Forget real estate. You can't afford it That's anyway. Right. Well, you know what? I hope those people read it. Love it and stay the top tier renters for us. Then
2: that should just be a, like on the back of your business card, just circle that and say, I'm not telling you that. Like, that's wow. right.
1: How's that though? Like, that's so you know, at our master workshops, uh, that we that we host, one of those things is here. Let's get rid of that. Um, one of, the, one of the things that we do is talk about what's going on in the news and the media and how the media pretty much dictates what we think is going on in the market. Like, there's a there's a perfect example of other forces dictating what we think or what we, we think we know is going on in the market. Like, that's not the case at all.
0: And it's funny because I hear so many uh, young people now saying, I will never be able to afford a home. Well, okay. Okay, yeah. so rent, right? And rent from... Brent, my investment properties, and I'm sure that's the same. However, if you're coming at it with where you're looking for information and you want to find that knowledge of how do I own a home in this market where most people are not able to afford it, you know, come to one of the investment seminars that, that that we host. Come to come to partner with people just to start learning how you can buy a home in this market. You, you might not be able to buy it outright alone, but just like uh, Ian did in the beginning, partner with two of his friends and yeah. to purchase a home.
1: Yeah. All right. It's- Well, it's an interesting, it, it, the partnering thing is a big thing. Like my I think of my cousins in the UK in London, and he bought a a really interesting piece of real estate. So he's, he's in his early thirties and prices there are astronomical. We course. all know that. And they have, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like a like a partnered ownership, and basically he owns one quarter of the property, and he and it's really a fourplex, hmm. so four different. So the developer brought four different buyers. They didn't know each other, and they divvied it up. So it'd be like a small condo here, right? A little one bedroom, two. It's actually two bedrooms, like perhaps as as investors, and then the buyers need to be thinking a little bit differently. How do we create more opportunities like that? Right. And I think there's, you know, I think there's some really cool ideas like that coming forward. And, and we need to, we need more of that. Like there's, there's a triplex here in Stouffville that is old and torn and worn. And I'm thinking it's three townhouses in a row Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: and it just came on the market. So if you're an agent out there or if you've got buyers out there, how about this? What if you were to look at that, right? Don't tell the man. I'm telling them. I'm telling them. We're here
0: to give share. What knowledge. if you just <laughs>
2: look at Why that, you say, you're and change, then, and and it then it changes to the black and white, and I'll show you green too, or what? <laughs> That's right. No, here's, here's what you're
1: gonna do. You're gonna look at that property, then you're gonna walk. The the fifty paces down the road to our office yeah. and say, I love your idea, I want to buy it now and yep. use us. That's no, right. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no you're <he's> not. <laughs> but here's what I would love to see that property. Like it's old and it's torn and it's worn and it's been in stove for as long as I can remember. Like it, like we moved here in the early eighties, something. Why not take those each individual individual unit, turn them into two units each? Now you have six units there. Perhaps that the nine hundred thousand dollar price tag doesn't seem so bad. And no it's crazy in some markets but in our market the gta that's actually kind of where triplexes and so far they are but just looking at it and creating other housing opportunities and more opportunities for yourself and your buyers and then and, and as an investment like i i think people need to think like that more
0: well what i would say if you're a young person out there um you're not sure how you based on the current economy your situation you're not sure of how you can own a home in the near or not so distant future, reach out to one of us. Uh, we have different educational seminar whether it's at our brokerage, Keller Williams, that we will gladly share because this knowledge is free for anyone. And if you're willing to learn and take action, um, all of it can can be yours. Because just like Ian did earlier, he just went out and took action, right? Yeah. He didn't have that money.
2: No, and I, and I, if you really look far enough back, I didn't even have a deposit. So I started learning on other people's properties. Okay. I started renovating investors' properties so that I could learn what they do. I partnered up with Mark Loeffler so I could learn numbers and, and figure that out a bit. I, I talked to Quentin D'Souza and he helped me about rentals. Yeah. I worked with Gary and we worked on a bunch of different projects. It's yeah. I find that people give up too easy. And they're like, the statistics say this. In two thousand and eight, we couldn't get mortgages. Okay? <laughs> I remember
0: buying my first right? investment. That's like six percent
2: back then, yeah. and, and people p- people were nervous, and we still went out and bought them. And I, I think if you if you really want to do it, you'll do it. Yeah. But there's people that know how to do it that actually continue to do it, and I think it's important that you you surround yourself with people that are actually doing it.
0: Okay. So, for people who would like to know, like, where do you? Find people who are, you know, investors that you could surround yourself with. What would you tell them?
2: I first off, I I tell them to to go to one of the investment networks, maybe like Gary's or Quentin and depending where you guys where they live. Yeah, I think that's important. But what drives me nuts, <laughs> we get myself in trouble here. But what, what drives me nuts the most is when people are hiring realtors. To buy investment properties, they never owned an investment property. Yeah. and I'm not I'm not saying that because I want to be judgmental, but you know I don't take my guy, I don't take my car to the to the guy that puts bananas on shelves. I take my car to the guy that's the mechanic that fixes them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there's specific people that have good good um, backgrounds, and, and I think I think share. you should stick with them. That's yeah. my opinion.
0: Okay.
1: No, absolutely. I I'm a big proponent of that. Like even, even myself, when we were buying our properties, like we wanted to work with the people that were buying properties, owning properties, winning and losing themselves. Right? Like that you can't replace that, that experience with, oh, I read an article, I read this, or I talked to that guy. No, you got to go through that yourself. And I want that. I want that as a, as a, as a client. Oh, I want that dramatically on a, on a huge scale.
2: And I, I don't know if you remember the first property you sold.
1: First property I sold was amazing.
0: Well, do you even remember?
1: Of course I do. Okay. Of course I do. In fact, it was so good that the client sitting right here.
2: Oh, you were- As you were soon expensive? as he got his license, I'm like, here's an investment
1: property. I, need, I want to sell it. Wow. Yeah. But why? Why did you give it to me? Well, I, the I most... did, I'd never sold a property before as a realtor yeah, in my well, life.
0: Why I reached out to Gary, who is green- As you can be in real estate. Because
2: I don't care if you've been in real estate 10 years, you need to know how to deal with tenants. Okay. Right? Like I see so many times people list properties and they have no idea how to deal with the tenants. They can't even get it in the basement unit. I've won more deals with because of tenants. Gary went in, he talked to the tenants, he gave them a gift card, he wrote them a letter. He knows how it works. He knows what investors want. He, yes. he made a spreadsheet of all the different numbers and how much it's going to cash flow and what the expenses are. He made the relationships with the people in the upstairs unit and then the downstairs unit. So he had access, right? Um, how many times you go, go to an invest property and you get, you get notification to, to see the top floor but you can't see the basement? Well, that's it oh yeah like i think there's a whole, yes. a whole business there yeah if you cater to the tenants you will win those listings all day long
0: and it's funny because i'd mentioned that to someone um whether it's in our brokerage or not just have that relationship let the tenants know hey this is going to be a win-win help me get this property sold here is a hundred dollar gift card Whatever.
2: Like, no no tenant wants anybody coming through their house. I don't want people coming through my house. No. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think the, the first sale that I sold as a realtor was Louis Brodica had a had, a, had this, this unit for sale and no one could get in. I was the only one. He's like, you showed that place 17 times. Wow. He's like, you were there more than me. <laughs> I'm like, you make that relationship with a tenant, you're going to get access. Of yeah. course, of for course.
1: Sure. For sure. And I think, um, you know, bigger... Like let's not be tunnel visioned on, on, on that though. Like us as realtors, you know, it's, it's the hardest thing to go sell a house. It's tough. Right. Meaning the seller. Yep. Why do we think as realtors that, yeah, it's easy for them to to leave the house with for an hour and a half and take the dog and take the baby and all that. And I think that's a, that's a huge piece that we're missing as, as um, you know, you, you talked about what's that famous hotel that you love, the Ritz Carlton. Ritz Carlton. Right. Yeah. Like, how cool would it be to say, here's, here's a hundred dollar gift card. There's going to be a bunch of showings, go to Tim's and yeah. it doesn't have to be an investor. No, like it can be to mom and mom and dad selling their, settling their house, right? Like give them something to do, or here's, here's a bunch of movie passes, go to a movie. The next time you have a whole, like we do open houses or something like there's, there's so much opportunity that I think we as realtors miss. But they, they, I think a lot of people miss
2: it because they're not willing to have the conversations. Like, I know it's stressful, I know people are going to be coming in here. What would make it easier for you? That's a great question. Right? Yeah. yeah. It is stressful. No one wants, especially when you when you're a tenant and you have no control of what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. I like that. I like that. What's been some of the? uh, You know, your good friend and, and the guy that I love and respect, uh, Ben Ben Osterfield. Benny. Like, yeah, Benny. <laughs> Who Ben is that? He's the, he's the guy. He's in Vancouver right now he's actually. Right? Is, I think he's doing a live event. Oh, right Ben.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah.
1: Like. And I know you've kind of taken some of his stuff and vice versa Mm. on, on that whole client's, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. Um, raising the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. So talk to us some of the things that you've done for clients without (laughs) them even asking you, or you've just gone and done it, little things that you have done in your neighborhood that kind of,
2: yeah. So from a, from a realtor point of view,
1: I realized real quick that
2: the flyers and stuff, just didn't work and i'm not good with that i'm good face to face yeah so I, every time i had a construction site people i would catch people throwing their garbage in, and i would get mad and i'm like how can i turn this around into a good thing so i had this dump trailer and i had this sign on the side and it says does your does your realtor take your garbage away for free so what i would do on sundays is i would get boxes of donuts and coffee in this neighborhood that i worked in was with about investors so yes. i knew that it was an upcoming neighborhood and i knew i had a client that was going to buy yes. so i knew i was going to double end deal so i would drive around i hired two guys and we'd knock on the door and they're like who are you? like you got any garbage you want to get rid of and they're like aren't you the realtor i'm like yeah but yeah. i can spend a thousand bucks on cards or i can come and take away that p mattress in your garage <laughs> that your wife's been telling you to get rid of for how many years now right
1: <laughs> so
2: <laughs> that's actually good yeah, yeah. seriously right so, uh, and then the, you see the kids running around and the guy's in his underwear and he's like, "I'm like, you want a sprinkle donut? And the kid's like, yeah, and like, here's our coffee and they're happy. And then I'm like, well, if you want, I'll give me your email. I'll put you on the draw and every month we draw four dumpsters per week. So one per week.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So then what ended up happening is I'd get everybody's email address in the whole street without being the realtor dude, right? And That's then I would draw. Brilliant. Then I would draw. You can still do it with a rental truck, by the way. I'll talk to you after, but <laughs> <laughs> you can, you draw it. So then what happens is part of my contract says that once you sign it, you're not allowed to have the, you know, like tires and propane mm-hmm. tanks and all that stuff yeah, yeah, in yeah. there. But you have to have my bag sign on your lawn for 30 days. So it says, Will you, does your realtor throw your garbage away, take your garbage away for free? Mm-hmm. So every every month I'd have my dumpster in four different locations and I have four signs up. Whoa. So. In the winter, we we like Good that. idea, right? I like that. <laughs> yeah, Erwin's trying to steal that idea too, right? It's for, <laughs> I'll market it to you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the other one was, we. I just got a listing the other day from someone I shoveled his driveway three or four years ago. He's like, the reason I called you is I have a bad back and I came home mm-hmm. and you guys shoveled my driveway. So I would hire guys when there's snowstorms. We'd shovel driveways. Mm-hmm. We'd clean out eaves troughs. Yes. If anybody in the neighborhood needed help or a free dumpster, we would drop it off.
1: Wow. I like that idea.
2: I like that. You know, we've done... I think we did poutine once. You know the poutine truck? Yeah, yeah. So we did flyers for a whole neighborhood, and we hired the guy to come and park in one of our houses that we're renovating and give free poutine to everybody. So they, <laughs> I'm not... I don't suggest you eat that <laughs> stuff all the time. Yeah, right. But, but poutine. It I like give it. Give people what... I don't know. I just find it if you give people what they want. Interesting. And
1: what... I think that's part of it. Not a lot of people actually know how to express what they want, right? So so in your experience, you know, what are people actually looking for? Like what, what do they want?
2: I think the biggest thing is they don't understand what to renovate before they sell their house. Yeah. That's they don't know. The anxiety starts, they're nervous, they don't know what to do. So it's simple. I'll have somebody that comes in, we're gonna paint this wall, this color, paint that wall, we're gonna need to put a backsplash in. It's it's kinda it's kinda like takes all the emotion out of it
0: yeah so for someone who's done a lot of flips a lot of renovations what would you say are the top three things you need to renovate spruce up put some lipstick on to really give you the most uh, bang for your buck
2: I think the hard part is I don't know the house Mm. so every house is different so some some people it's like I'm gonna invest $500 in decluttering Mm -hmm. where they have boxes and I have someone that sells stuff on Kijiji okay uh, the most recent one we did was a condo. It was a brand new condo. Six years old, it's never been painted, didn't have a backsplash. All the comparables have backsplashes, and the ones that sold for the most were painted. So we repainted, we staged, we put in some new lights, we did a backsplash and it sold like within five days, and I think the average is twenty five. Okay. So I think everyone's different and we have a limited budget, you know, as a realtor. Yes. So it was it was important that we invested in the in the right areas. Okay. So, like, yeah. if you have a rank bathroom and it's the toilet's disgusting and the floor's bad, I would That's pick what you that do. first. That's what you do. Work my way back. But you can't go wrong with paint and cleaning mm-hmm. and caulking.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> caulking and paint is, like, the best. Why is caulking so so important? Because but. you see the trim's not here because Gary is meticulous. <laughs> but <laughs> and a lot of times it, it separates. Yeah. It looks old. But once you do a bead of caulking and you do a coat of paint, it looks it looks new. Okay. So your best bang
1: for your buck is paint, flooring. Um, and people miss that. Like paint, we talk about paint and stuff like that. A lot, a lot of the times we just tell them paint the trim work. Yeah. Like cock the trim work, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't have to go around painting all the walls and everything like that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Anyways, I said at 316 we'd answer some questions here. I got a couple questions of questions for you. questions we have there? Favorite flip and why from Diane? My favorite flip and why.
0: Your favorite flipping line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Careful how you say that. Actually, <laughs> I got to come up with I like that. Yeah, there we go. I think my yeah, fa- f- <laughs> my favorite
2: flip was uh, was a grow-up. Yeah? Yeah, it got yeah, busted. Yeah, got yeah, busted I know that one. And, and they shut it down, and we couldn't get inside, and we had to go to the city, and they said... We had to work around all these parameters to, with the fire department, I got, <laughs> I ran into the fire marshal. I came out of the property and ran into the fire marshal. He's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what are you doing here? This is, this is my house. And he's like, well, you're not allowed to be here because it's a grow up and we had to do all these different hurdles. Mm-hmm. So it was three units. They only let me do two units, even though I paid to renovate three. So I renovated three units and then they said we couldn't rent the third unit out. Oh, yeah. I and we had that. all kinds of trouble with it, but then we refinanced it and pulled a bunch of money out because the banks don't care if it's legal or not. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, yeah, that was cool because I learned a lot. It's a challenge. You, I forget. Do you still own that one? No, I sold
0: it, you thank sold God. It. <laughs> Is that one you yeah. should have kept?
2: No, the zoning was wonky on it. I tried to get the third unit. I don't like owning stuff that it, that's not 100% legal. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So- it's sometimes you just have properties. It's just, it was a great experience. We were profitable. We made money and we, I learned a ton of stuff. So all those things going together made it a good flip.
1: Yeah. Okay. I remember that. I remember that flip. That was an interesting one. Cause it had a really old, old house. And then the, the newer part of the newer part is pro- still probably like 40 years old though. Right. Yeah. Um, that was a different
2: one. That was a duplex.
1: Well, that was a duplex that yeah. you turned into. Uh, oh, I'm, okay. We tore one side of it down. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. 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 Um, next question. Um, how do you find your properties from Kyla? To be quite honest, the
2: last how many properties has it been? The last ten or eleven properties were on MLS. It's a speed <laughs> Just game sitting there. Oh yeah, it's a speed game, right? Yeah. Some some probably the best advice is get your realtor to find them as soon as they pop up, jump on them. And then the other thing is have your financing ready. It's got to be ready. So like, if you're not ready to put an offer within the first three hours that thing's on the market, you're probably going to lose it.
0: So now for people who are looking at this market and saying, oh, everything is so expensive, are you still seeing opportunities out there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm still seeing properties that you can buy, um, renovate the basement to like a legal duplex and then refinance it and rent it out.
0: Okay. And you said your last 10 properties you found all in? Yeah,
2: believe believe it or not, everyone said that by getting my real estate license would would hinder my ability to get great deals. But I find a lot of people are listing properties that maybe they don't understand how it can be converted or they're not accustomed to it. And don't forget, I'm buying stuff that people don't want. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? We're buying buying (laughs) grow ups, hoarder houses. Like my favorite thing is is a clause that we, we accept anything that you leave behind.
1: I love that. Have you said I've
2: won, I've won more deals with that clause than anything else because people are, that have lived in a house for 30, 40 years and maybe they're, they have some mental illness or they have uh, an issue getting rid of things, you'll win. Even if your offer is 30K less than the other guy, you will win because the anxiety that they have around it.
0: Okay. All right. I have an investment property for you. We'll talk after. All right. <laughs>
1: That's true. You do have one. I know uh, you do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, uh, that clause... Like you got to give them a reason to say yes to your offer. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and using that clause, we've done it in the past where, you know, you're saying I don't have to take anything out of my house. Yeah. Yeah. like I'll, that. That's, that's a good clause. Yeah, I've paid for, for moving trucks. I've,
2: I've, before I was licensed, I would pay first and last to another apartment. Like people will tell you what, what they want. You just got to ask and listen.
1: Yeah. Listen. Right. Yeah. The key
2: yeah. thing is listening. I like that. I
1: like that. Yeah. I know, um, you know, in our in our market here in the GTA, even though we've had a little bit of a shift, like there's most, I'd say 99% of all the properties ever sold still get onto the MLS, right? Yeah. And there's other markets as you go, you know, farther away from Toronto and so forth that there are opportunities to go door knock or, or you know, you, you find a lead somewhere not on the MLS. And we're all realtors, so that's, you know, typically we're working with our clients. But I remember even before we are realtors, like, you do your selective door knocking and For so sure. forth, right? You've yeah. done all that. Yeah. Door knock. I, I, I had like People you... people
2: on hydro that were on payroll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had dumpster companies on payroll. Because like, that's when- That's what it is, right? Like if there's mm-hmm. a fire or a flood, who are the first people there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hydro, hydro, fire department, dumpsters. Yep. Yeah. It's not- it's not hard to figure out, right? That no. if, if the dumpster company's there first, they want to. I want to call, right? Call yeah, me. Yeah,
1: and that's why being being friendly with your neighborhood hydro guy. Yeah. Yeah, just shut the power off in this building. You might want to go do some digging. You know what I yeah. mean? Like. like I stuff. don't have those relationships anymore. No. <laughs> Wish I did, but yeah, no doubt. No, me but t- I, I used
2: to do stickers. I used to do laundry mats. I used to do door knocking. Um. The book is, this book was helpful because people will call and say, I have a house and I don't know how to fix it up. So we would go in and consult on it and fix it up and then sell it or wholesale it. So it's like an ecosystem.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. You got to feed it. You got to feed it to get something out of it. It's like
2: being a politician, right? If they know you're the guy that fixes up crappy houses or helps people out of bad situations, then you're going to get the call.
0: You're going to be that guy to reach out to when it's needed.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know you've told me stories in the past where... Yeah, met met Mr. Smith for coffee again this morning. It's been like the eighth time. Like it's 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 that consistency of showing up. Right? Consistency mm-hmm. of I still want to buy your house two years later. I still want to buy it. I still want to buy it. And you've you've had success stories like that in the past, yeah?
2: Yeah, and I, I think it, it comes from it comes from my it comes from my my desire to help. Mm. A lot of times I don't get those. Do you know what I mean? But but the ones that I do, I'd like a lot of times I'm the last guy. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm the last guy before the bank comes in and, and would take their house. Right. And then it that whole mentality of being, you know, comes back from the short bus thing. I'm by myself, I'm alone, I don't I don't fit in. I don't have anybody to kinda it it, it applied it applied to to um, buying houses and then it turned into the short bus stuff where, you know, I'm speaking to kids and and driving around and talking at events.
0: Now, before we sign off, tell us a little bit more about the short bus because I would like
1: yeah, to... We to got yeah, that, we right? haven't even gotten that, Yeah, we haven't even gotten that. So tell us <laughs> about that. Let's see, I, so I I see if I can find it here.
2: Yeah, so a couple of years ago, I um, this is, decided to buy a short bus and actually, I don't know, celebrate my differences instead of hiding from them and trying to be somebody else. So uh, I bought a bus seven years ago and I bought the wrong bus. I hired the wrong people and... I self-sabotaged myself, basically. And then and then I saved up and I bought the real bus. The right short bus. The right short bus, where I harassed a guy that had 500 buses for like six months. He wouldn't sell me one. He's like, you're nuts, kid. You don't buy a bus. This is crazy. <laughs> it's a waste of money. And I'm like, no, I'm going to buy one. Yeah. And then I redid the whole bus with rims and tires and a party deck and, and you name it. But um, the, the main purpose is to celebrate. <clears throat> I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect, but I want to celebrate who I am. And there's a lot of kids that are in school that their role models are thugs or, or, or gangsters. And, and I'm like, you can do stuff, you know, there, there's a fork in the road where you, you know, organized crime and entrepreneurship is the fork in the road. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to go left to the, you can go right and and do things your own way.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you know what I mean? So it, it, it all sparked with a friend of mine, Paulo said, um, if something happened to you and you only had three weeks to live, I know you'd be driving around that short bus helping people. And mm. it just, it took off and I, and I, and I got really carried away with it. <laughs> and it lasted like a whole year where I was just driving around in the short bus doing talks and, and, and yeah. helping people. And uh, that's
0: who, that's who you are by nature. That's yeah. who, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I remember when we invited you to my wife's school Yeah. Like so many of the kids, even today, they're so grateful for that talk that you had with them how many years ago, right? Because you're all, you're that guy who are like, okay, you're on the short bus, you have these disabilities. I've been where you are today and I've, I'm out on the other side and I've used those limitations, so-called limitations as my strength now.
2: Yeah, and I, and I still I still have days when I, when I struggle, and, and I come in here and there's six cameras and and three mics, and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on over here, right? Like I still I still get anxiety about it. I still get. I think that's what makes me good. Mm. I think I think if it was easy, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to put myself out there. Yeah. So, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to to give back, and and um, the conversations that I've had like with people are it's been phenomenal.
0: Mm. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your family because it seems like they've been your rock and that support that allowed you to go out there and explore different stuff.
2: Yeah, uh, they've been they've been great. It's been it's I look how he
0: glows and he talks I about. Know, his I, 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 go, like,
2: I went like, a lot of times like with anything you mentioned I just go after it. Yeah. And then there's a there's a downside of just going after things sometimes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I have a lot of support.
0: Ian, my brother, it's always a pleasure having with you. It's always nice sitting down and chatting and learning from you, one of the masters, one of the Jedis. Um, the Jedi it's, master. Yeah, the Jedi, Jedi I get, master. I, I need, like, <laughs> I some Jedi Shorebus. music over here. <laughs> I go from Sharpus to Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's every here, time we have a conversation. Oh, here. I
1: it's love not, that. It's not lasers, but it's <laughs> <what>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Every time we have a conversation, I'm always walking away with, some valuable information. And I thank you for joining us today. Um, it's always been a pleasure, brother. See you at the top, man.
1: See you at the top. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I appreciate being here, man.
1: Ian, no, that's amazing. This is, um, you always deliver. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you and your friendship and, uh, and your, your girls. They're amazing. Um, this is one of those moments where, where you can choose to do it or not and if you're going to do it you're going to have success because you'll have those stumbling blocks if you as you mentioned but the the reward is so much bigger. Mhm. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's what I got from today. So I just want to again thank you everyone for listening to the Not So Black and White Real Estate podcast and looking forward to talking to you the next time around. Bye for now. Ciao.